Start in Psalm 86. Psalm chapter 86. Tonight's sermon is called Christ and His Body, The Way, the Truth, the Life. Psalm 86, verse 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So here we see the way, the truth, the life, all in one verse here in Psalms. And this idea of the way of the Lord, it's a theme throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. And it speaks, the Bible speaks of the way in which God wants his people to walk, right? So Proverbs, Psalms talks about uh, the way of righteousness, the, the way of the godly, the, the way of the wise. And then specifically God speaking to his people, there's also a theme that pops up all throughout the prophets, Isaiah. And, and it, it says that you have, you have departed from the way. In fact, Malachi uses that same exact language. You don't have to go there. I'm going to turn to Malachi chapter 2. Uh, just for a couple of verses here. This is God sort of rebuking his people through the prophet Malachi. Malachi 2 verse 7 says, For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So the people over and over and over again depart from the way of the Lord. All right, and then in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, it says, Behold, this is also Malachi, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. This is, of course, John the baptizer, a prophecy 400 years before he comes, he's going to come and he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. Continuing, it says, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. This is, of course, a prophecy of Jesus 400 years before he's born. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So John the baptizer is going to come and prepare the way. Again, this is a theme throughout the Bible. Uh, the way in which God wants his people to walk. The truth, this is, of course, true things that happen, uh, things which God has done and and is going to do. That is the truth that the Bible talks about. It's the truth that Scripture talks about. Uh, it's also reality. <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot, that when we think about the truth or we think about just truth in general, like, it's reality. It's A lot of people will try and say all of these things and it's just like you're not living within reality like <laughs> you need to come and realize like what's actually happening and, and God rebukes this also in his people where he he rebukes the priests and the pastors and he says you know woe to you who who proclaim peace peace when there is no peace the false prophets and the false teachers are telling God's people like oh that's fine everything's gonna be fine there's gonna be peace and it's like you're not dwelling within reality they're attacking us as we speak. And so God is about truth. He's about dwelling within reality, dealing with things on a real level. And he's also uh, about proclaiming the true things that he has done and is going to do. The life, 
this is uh, the life which we have in and through the Holy Spirit. So th that's New Covenant talk. Um, but the Bible talks a lot about life in general. Like, even if you're not, if you don't believe in Jesus, everything that has life was given that life by God. He breathed life into everything that has breath. Leviticus talks about the life of a thing being in its blood. So when Jesus comes, he fulfills all of these things. Of course, he comes and says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am all of these things. And then in John chapter 6, he makes this statement that blows everybody away. And a lot of, of his followers leave because he says, those who don't drink my blood... Right? They don't have eternal life. And everyone's like, wow, that's so sinful. Like, we are not supposed to touch blood. That is, that is wicked. That is unclean. That is forbidden by the law. Right? We are not supposed to uh, even think about, like, drinking blood. That's awful. This is a hard teaching. And then they, they leave. And Jesus, at the end of that teaching, he says, The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And so what he's saying in that passage is that he is going to voluntarily give his blood as a covering, as, as, as the sacrifice for everyone who believes in him and in that sacrifice. They're in a spiritual sense drinking that blood because you're intaking his life, his righteousness when you believe in him. The life of a thing is in its blood. So I want you guys to keep that in mind because we're going to see this language. You've already seen it in Acts, right? Jesus dies, he rises, he ascends into heaven, and right before he does, he tells his people, go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize, make disciples, and that's their calling on their life. He gives them his ministry. And so when they start the ministry, up until Paul right now, he's about to leave Antioch, right? Antioch is where... Christianity was first called Christianity. Before that, it was just called the way. That is what Christianity was called, and it continues to be called that. And we're going to read tonight that people were neglecting or, or speaking against, blaspheming the way, right? And, and so that is the way in which God wants us to speak, or speak, walk, live. That's, that is the way. So Christianity is the way. So we can pick it up in Acts now, chapter 18. Last week, Paul ended his second missionary journey, and he's about to embark on his third. We're in Acts 18, verse 23. It says, After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. So this is Paul, again, embarking on that third missionary journey. You can look at the map. I was going to display it, but you can look in the back of your Bible or um, maybe take a look later. But this is him leaving Antioch. He went home, kind of recharged, planned for this third trip, and now he is he's taking it on. Verse 24 says, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Okay, so we kind of fast-forwarded through a lot of Paul's journey so far. If you look at the map, the region of Galatia and Phrygia, it's a big area, and a, there's a lot of space between the Antioch, which he left, 
and Ephesus. So it kind of said like, and he departed, he went to Galatia and Phrygia, these, these large areas, and then, okay, now we're in Ephesus. So that's a, a lot of walking. Here's Antioch where he left. Ephesus is all the way over here. So big journey, a lot happened, and he went to each place that he's been, all the churches that he started, and he is he is encouraging them. He's teaching them more about God. He's, he's speaking truth and life into their lives and encouraging them in the way of God. And so we kind of fast forwarded through a lot of that. But now we meet this man named Apollos. Verse 25 says, This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So how is this guy doing, this Apollos? How is he doing so far? Pretty good. Pretty darn good, right? He is he is understanding and he's preaching the the word of the Lord and he is he's instructed and he's he's accurately preaching God's word and and continuing in the way of God. And an, another question I had for you is is the baptism of John a bad thing? Of course not. He was preparing the way of Jesus, right? But this Apollos, he did not know Jesus, and he didn't know how much Jesus had fulfilled. He, he didn't know, like, the whole story. Maybe he heard a few things, but he didn't know everything that Jesus had done and all the things that he had fulfilled at this point. Verse 26, So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, if you remember, Paul met Aquila and Priscilla during his second missionary trip. He left them in Ephesus. So that's where they are. That's where they meet this Apollos. And they hear him speaking. And they take him aside, it says, and explain to him the way of God more accurately. Right? So he is continuing in the way of the Lord. And they hear him and they're like, man, this guy is like super like eloquent in speech. He is... He's really knowledgeable about the, the word and he's preaching it accurately. He's just missing a few points. So they approach him and they, they say, hey, actually, like the Christ came. Like this is what happened. And they lay it out in front of him and they, can, they teach him the way of the Lord more accurately. And he actually, he listens to them. He listens to what they say about Jesus and he's not all prideful, right? He's eloquent in speech, and he's he's mighty in the scriptures, and he's just not, like, puffed up, like, nah, like, I know what the Bible says, but he actually receives what they say, and he, he hears what they have to say, and he believes because he is mighty in scriptures, right? They tell him about the Christ, and then they say, he did this, and that fulfilled this, and, and he, again, he probably heard a lot of things, just the word about Jesus went all over the place, so these people confirming, like, hey, we actually, like, know the guy who met Jesus, like, this is like a legit thing, and just really laid it out in front of him, and so he believes. Verse 27, and when he desired to cross to Achaia, okay, so that's across the sea from Ephesus, this is another area, right, This is and this is the area where Corinth is, and he's crossing the sea, he wants to cross there, because Paul, again, he, he spent a year and a half in Corinth, building this strong Christian community, building up this church. In his area, that's basically like where the most Christians reside. So he hears about Jesus, he believes, and he wants to be around more believers. So he's like, I'm going to go to this 
this big community. I'm going to go across the sea. And as we continue in verse 27, he wants to cross to Achaia. The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. So this guy receives the word of the Lord. He believes on Jesus. And by the grace of God, he is saved. And that lights a fire in him. And he wants to go be with more godly community. And so he goes to Corinth and he serves the church there. He doesn't just go and do whatever he wants, but he's, he's serving them. He's joining with them in their ministry. And again, he's an eloquent speaker. He's mighty in the scriptures. And now that he has this full understanding of who Jesus is, and he knows him personally now, right? He starts refuting the Jews. And he is going to, I don't know if it was one massive church in Corinth or different churches in the area of Achia, but he is serving the church there and speaking about Jesus as the Christ. And for me, I sort of missed this small detail for most of my life reading through this. I sort of inserted Apollos into the next few verses that we're about to read. Uh, but I missed this small point that he, he leaves Ephesus. He crosses the sea. He's not there. So we can continue in chapter 19. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Right? So again, Apollos is in Corinth. Paul shows up in Ephesus. So Paul taught and he preached in Ephesus for quite some time. And he had some, some followers there. And these followers believed, because they were disciples of Apollos, they believed much of what Apollos was teaching. They knew only the baptism of John, much like Apollos. So then Paul shows up and he preaches this new thing, right? And the Bible, especially Psalms, talking about like prophecies about Jesus, it, it talks a lot about singing a new song. And that's what the creation would do when Christ came. That is what his God's people would do. We sing a new song because something new has come. Jesus brought something new, and he left it when he ascended into heaven to take his rightful seat on his rightful throne at the right hand of God. So he asks this thing, verse 2, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? He, he sees that they're different from the Jews, that they believe certain things, and so he's kind of like, what's going on here? Um, they've, of course, heard this thing in, in Joel that the Christ is going to come and, and pour, God's going to pour his spirit on all people. And they're like, yeah, we haven't even heard if that's a thing yet. Like, can we do that? And he's like, okay, well, trying to figure them out. He's trying to, trying to draw them out and figure out where they're at. He says, into what then uh, were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, the men were about twelve in all. So, again, these people are followers of Apollos. Like Apollos, they were instructed in the way of the Lord, right? They're understanding the scriptures. They're following in the way of the Lord. They're committed to truth. But they don't know the full truth, right? They, they understand the scriptures to a point, but they don't know the full truth. And therefore, they at this point have not received the life that Jesus offers, right? They are committed to truth. They're following in the way, but they have not received that full truth. So they're a, they, they have now, obviously, Paul teaches them this thing, and he goes, and they believe. So... Again, I sort of like missed this this point, and I I, I inserted Apollos into this thing in in the past, but I, I'm realizing now like Apollos has left, and that unfortunately is going to cause some issues later on. We'll we'll unpack that a little bit, but uh, before we move on from here, many people point to this passage to say that there are two baptisms, right? Because they're like, oh, there's the baptism of repentance, the baptism of John, right? And then they have the baptism of Jesus, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's this sort of thing that people, we don't want to get into an argument about people, uh, about things. But this is where they point. Like, look, there's there's two baptism. And I want to say that that is not typically how Christianity works, right? Because now... When people get saved, we have the full truth. We, we receive it. And when they when people get saved and they choose to be baptized, they're baptized in the name of Jesus, Jesus in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because they have full faith in Jesus. Just like these people here, Paul tells them the full truth, right? And then they are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these people knew the Christ was coming, but they didn't know the Christ yet until Paul preached him to them. And they didn't even know if the Holy Spirit was a thing. Like, we haven't even heard if that's, like, happening yet. Um, So when they heard the truth, they received the life because they were committed to the way. That's kind of what we're noticing here. They are committed to the way. They are preaching truth, but once they receive the full truth, then the Holy Spirit fills them, and the life of God, the life of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus is transferred to them, and eternal life starts in that moment. And they now are more in the way of the Lord, right? They are walking more in the way of the Lord because they're walking according to the Spirit. Again, this two-baptism thing is not how it works anymore because we don't, like, repent and then baptize and then then we're baptized in the name of Jesus, and then there's there's this second thing. Does the sort of baptism of the Holy Spirit happen more than once? Yes, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. He empowers you to do these things. But some people will say, well, if you haven't prophesied or spoken in tongues like these people here, then you're not saved. That is false. That is not true. That's not how things work. When we are when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit enters into us. Now, this thing that just happened, like I said, with Apollos being gone, 
and having some disciples still there, Paul comes in and he teaches things. This causes some, unfortunately, divisions among Christians later on. And Pastor Dave touched on this briefly this past Sunday, and it was a really awesome, great sermon. He didn't really unpack it. He, he was talking about sort of a theme throughout 1 Corinthians about laying down your liberties in order to love people. But he did talk about sort of connecting and and uh, identifying with certain types of teachers. So we're going to look at that now in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you guys want to hear Dave's sermon, it is on Hope Chapel's website on, on the podcast. And I, again, I would really recommend it. It was, it was a beautiful one. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, and again, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians. Corinth is where Apollos is now. It's where Paul was on his second missionary journey, right? This is where that big church is, and so he's writing to them here. It says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, yeah, that's, that's what Paul wants, that there would be no divisions among them. But that you would be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos. Or I am of Cephas, right? That's of course Peter. Or I am of I am of Christ, right? And he continues in verse 13, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus, right? Remember Crispus? He was the leader of the synagogue who got saved because he rebuked them, shook his clothes, and went to the Gentiles. And the leader of the synagogue gets saved. That's Crispus. His whole household was saved. Paul baptized his whole household. So Paul is referencing that here. I baptize none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanas. He's like kind of remembering. He's like, that, that, that's not the point. Like everyone's going to get, you know, twisted up here. He says, besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So he's kind of saying, like, it, okay, like, I, I don't even get into the baptism thing. I, uh, like, that's not what I came for. Now, was he sent to baptize people? Yeah. Go into all the nations, preach the gospel, baptize, make disciples. But what he's saying is, that's not the only reason I went in, to, like, make disciples of Paul. Like, that's not what I'm there for. That's not, I wasn't baptizing in my own name. I'm preaching Christ to you. Turn the page a little bit to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul continues, it's now in, in chapter 3, but it's kind of the same topic. He continues here in verse 4. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? He's saying you're acting like the world who connects with Oh, I follow this philosopher. Oh, this teaching over here. This is this is my guy. This is who I follow. And he's like, that's a carnal thing. Say, oh, I you know affiliate with this teacher. He says, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? 
And who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. So, I've taught this a bunch. I'm going to continue to preach it. The unity of Christians is of the utmost importance. Christian unity between congregations, between denominations. If we are united in the body of Christ, if they are truly in the body of Christ, like we need to strive for unity. And there's, it's so important, and yet I'm kind of blown away how next to no emphasis is put on it. Like, I don't hear it taught all that often. Um, instead, people are dividing, right? Digging their heels in, as we talked about uh, before. Those lines are being drawn between divisions in Christianity or, or whatever. Any kind of differences are like, these hard lines are being drawn. And there's not as much unity as Paul is trying to encourage here. Right? Even now, one says, I'm of Luther, right? I'm a Lutheran. Or, I'm of Calvin. I'm a Calvinist, right? Or, I'm of Arminius. I'm an Arminianist. Or I'm of Christ, right? We have a denomination, Church of Christ. And they say anybody who doesn't come to a Church of Christ isn't going to heaven. And it's like, man, this is some divisive stuff that Paul is rejecting here. But they're, they're, who are they, right? Who are they? Who is Luther? Who is Calvin? Who is Arminius? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. They brought you to Christ, right? They are Christians. They are part of the body. There needs to be a unity there. Again, is Christ divided, as Paul said in, in chapter 1? Of course not. Let's go to Ephesians 4 now. Verse 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, right? Walk in that way of the Lord. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, right? Endeavoring, striving, fight for unity. It's worth the fight. Verse 4, There is one body, and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So it was prophesied that Jesus would set captives free, and he did when he ascended into heaven, right? Jesus himself said, if the Son makes you free, then you're free indeed. And that's in John 8. He sets captivity captive. In the beginning of this chapter, Paul says that he's a prisoner of the Lord. Elsewhere, he says, you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. But when you're a slave to Christ, it's voluntarily. 
You are, as Paul calls himself, a bond servant. You make the choice to be connected to your owner. That's what the bond servant was, is a by choice, I will be your servant for life. So he led captivity captive. So those of us who have been set free from the bondage of sin, we are, yes, bond servants to Christ, but we're free in Christ. And we need to strive and fight, right, endeavor for unity. We need to have that one mind, one mind with Christ by renewing our mind, right? Paul says elsewhere that we shouldn't be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? We need to have that one mind with Christ. And we have to have that one mind with other Christians, too. As he said, speak in 1 Corinthians uh, 1. Speak the same thing. We're not always going to have the same opinion on every single topic, but we're to speak the same thing. Don't let there be any divisions among you. Fight against that thing because you're going to want to disagree. You want to. You're going to want to fight to be right, right? Well, I, I, but I've read the Bible. Like I should tell you what I know, and you don't. You disagree. You haven't read it like I've read it. Like let me tell you. Uh, and let me be right. We're going to want to separate because people don't di- agree with us, but we have to fight to unite. Fight not each other, but fight our fight. Fight the fight within yourself. <laughs> don't fight against one another, right? Fight to unite mm-hmm. on the one way, the one true truth, the, the one life. And that is, of course, Jesus. Unite on Him. There's going to be little details. There's going to be little things that you read differently or think about them differently. But those are not the things to dwell on. The things to dwell on are the way of God. Truth. Reality. What God is doing. What He's going to do. And the life that He's given us to do the things He wants us to do on this world and the eternal life that he's given us when we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When we receive the Holy Spirit, that eternal life starts, and it will carry on into eternity when we, as the Bible calls it, fall asleep and enter into heaven, into glory. With that, let's pray, and we'll have some fellowship. Dear God, we love you, and we thank you for revealing to us your way and truth and giving us your life, giving your life for us that we can have right relationship with God by just believing on you. Uh, And more than that, filling us with your spirit to give us life more abundantly, God. I pray that you will guide us more accurately in your way and show us uh, how you want us to live, who you want us to minister to, and just how to love you and love others better, God. Thank you for tonight and for the opportunity that you've given me to lead these good people. And God, I pray that you bless the rest of this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.